0: The following message is from Kings Church 1066 based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. Morning all. How are we doing? We okay? Um, I'm intrigued to know whether Easter eggs are just for kids or whether they're for adults as well. So if you have already had some chocolate this morning, well, no, no, why don't we, um, if you already had some chocolate this morning, why don't you just stand up? So if you've already had chocolate this morning, stand up. Not as many of you as I thought. Okay, have any of you actually... Ma- no, no, stay standing now because you're like in the spotlight. Have any of you managed to polish off a whole Easter egg yet? <laughs> well done, Bridget. Oh, you haven't. Oh. Excellent. I just, I was intrigued to know whether it was just a children's thing or whether it was adults as well. Um, so, uh, if they did, if they did like, cause I'm personally a bit more of a savoury sort of guy, um, than, than sort of chocolate and stuff like that. I don't know if anyone would think of, of inventing something like a chip flavoured chocolate Easter egg. No? Oh, something like that, salt and vinegar, a little bit of ketchup, I don't know. Um, Brilliant. I'm so excited for this morning. Um, we have got baptisms today. Um, anyone else excited about baptisms? So a little bit later we're going to be baptising Leanne and Lisa, Rhys, Dan and Sam. We have, we have a some additional prayer will be required for them as we forgot to turn the heater on yesterday. <laughs> but don't worry, we have broken the ice off the top of it, so it won't, it, won't be too, it won't be too bad. I'm going to spend about 15, 20 minutes just explaining what Easter is all about, because it's not about the Easter eggs or the Easter bunny or anything like that. Um, we've been singing about it, We've been singing incredible truth already, but I just want to spend a little bit of time um, talking to you um, and explaining it. Particularly, I think, um, if you're here today and you've never really heard the Easter message, um, I'm hoping that I'll be able to communicate that concisely for you. And for those of you that may have heard it once or twice, um, I'm hoping it will stir your hearts um, and cause you as we go back into worship later on to glorify God with even more, even more enthusiasm and energy. If you've got Bibles, why don't you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, we're going to look at just six verses there. I'm going to break it into three sections. We're just going to look at them. Um, so 1 Corinthians is in the New Testament. That's the sort of second half of the Bible, um, and the words will come up um, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as a first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he, appeared, he, and that he appeared to Peter, and then the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom were still living, though some have fallen asleep. So we're going to firstly look at gospel importance, then gospel facts, and then lastly, we're going to look at gospel witnesses. This part of the Bible was written by someone called the Apostle Paul, He wrote a whole load of different bits of the New Testament, the second half of the Bible. And he was writing to a group of Christians to a church that was based in Corinth. That's modern day um, Greece. He'd started the church five days, five days, five years previously. And so he knew it really, really well. He would have known who he was writing to as he wrote this letter. And he says it, doesn't he? He says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you believed in vain. He's, he's reminding them of what he had already taught them. He's reminding them of the gospel. And basically another way of for, word for gospel is good news. It's a specific teaching it is certain facts it is events that happen there is a body of truth that makes up the gospel and we're we're going to look at that um over the course like i say the next 10 to 15 minutes and it's a really important message it's a really really important message because it's about being made whole it's about salvation that's what salvation, one of the meanings of salvation is, to be made whole. And he says that the church at Corinth, they, they know it, because he'd already taught them when he was there five years ago, but he's reminding them of it so that they can stand upon it, they can hold fast to it, so that they won't let it go. So just to summarise these opening verses, these words communicate that the gospel is of great importance, Its significance is enormous. It has something to do with making people whole, both back in Corinth 2,000 years ago, but for us as well. It's about us being made whole. And it's based around certain events that have happened that we're going to look at. But it's also something that, as individuals, we've got to understand. We've got to receive it. We've got to stand upon it. There's a personal interaction that needs to take place with this gospel. Now, those in Corinth have done it, but we need to do it as well, or there's an invitation for us to do it as well. And it comes with a warning just at the very end of that that little section, that little passage, that we've got to hold fast to it. It's not just something that you receive for a moment and then forget about, it's not that just that I received Jesus at some point and then I don't need to worry about it. No, no. I've got to hold fast to it and build my life upon it on a day-by-day basis. So what are the facts of the gospel? Let's carry on through the passage. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. I love that. First importance. It was to be first importance for them. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. There is a historical figure, a historical person that existed, Jesus Christ. And most historians today wouldn't doubt that fact. There's far too much manuscript evidence to doubt that he existed. Not just that contained within the Bible itself as a historical document, but, but other historical documents that existed around the same time where where people who were not following Jesus wrote about this man Jesus who lived, who did incredible miracles, who was an amazing teacher, and who died on a cross. So there's lots of evidence to the fact that Jesus existed. And he was a remarkable person. I mean, the miracles that he did, things that are quite difficult to explain with your mind, the healings that he did, how, how he, he, he multiplied food, his, his mercy for people, how he cared for people right on the fringe of society, right right out there. No one else cared about them. They were, they were outcasts, and yet Jesus, he cared for them. And, and today, if you feel you're right out on the edge that people don't get you, they don't understand you, Jesus cares for you. Jesus is interested in you. But then there's a teaching he did. I don't know if you've ever read sermon on the mount in Matthew 5 6 7 8 it's incredible teaching the most most amazing stuff about how as we as human beings should live together jesus taught that the most amazing teacher but then what he also claimed about himself jesus said jesus said actually i'm not just a miracle worker i'm not just a good teacher he said i'm god he says I'm God and human. He's God come in flesh for people to make a difference. This is what Jesus said about himself. And his title in this passage that we're reading, Christ, it means anointed one. It speaks of Jesus being the long-expected king, that he was bringing in God's rule and reign to the earth. There's a different way. There's something different breaking in. But what's interesting to notice is when you look at that there, none of that is mentioned. Nothing about Jesus' amazing life is mentioned here. What you'll notice, what is mentioned, is that Christ died. That's, That's what the Apostle Paul mentions. And when you read the Bible, if you read the account of the crucifixion, you may think that Jesus died because Judas betrayed him. Well, he did betray him, but that's not why he died. You may think that Jesus died because the Pharisees were jealous of him. Well, they were, but that's not why he died. You may think that Jesus died because the Roman authorities were weak. Well, no, that's not why Jesus died. The reason Jesus died on the cross is because it's the only way that rebellious humanity can be brought back to God. For us to be saved. For us to be made whole. You see... Within each of us, for the church back in Corinth, 2,000 years ago, and for us right here right now, there's a brokenness on the inside. And it gets expressed in multiple different ways, but it's, it's brokenness all the same. It, it may be pride. And if, no, I won't get a hands up for that one, you know I know I know best. I don't need anyone to help me. I'm all right on my own. It could be a deep desire for independence. One of the most popular songs ever played at funerals is My Way by Frank Sinatra, you know, where he's celebrating, I did it my way. But that is, that's, that is the root of the brokenness. That's the starting point for the sin that gets expressed in so many different ways. And whether it's brokenness and hurt and pain that has been caused and done to us, and I'm sure probably we can all put our hands up and say we've been on the receiving end, or whether it's a brokenness and pain that we've caused to other people, and if we're honest, we all know we've done that as well, it starts in our separation from God, in our desire that we are better on our own than we are in relationship with the God that made us. It's like if you imagine this incredible jigsaw puzzle. It's it's amazing. It's big and some of the edges are there and some of the centre bits are there, but there are bits missing. There are bits that are not there. And you get to see something of how amazing this picture will be when it's finished. But you know it's broken. It doesn't work quite right. That's, That's like us. I don't know, I look at you guys and, and you can see, just looking at you, you are valuable, you are special, that you've been created with purpose, and yet it's marred and, 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 and broken and it doesn't quite work right. That's what humanity is like without God. And sometimes we can think, well, if I look on the inside of me, maybe I can find some of those missing pieces and put them into the jigsaw, make it work right. But, but the Bible says you won't find the answers in there. You'll find the answers we've got. The, the only way, the only way that brokenness can get healed is if your relationship with the one who made you gets restored. And that's why Jesus Christ came. That's why Jesus Christ died in order that our sin can be dealt with. The secret of being made whole is not found inside of us. It's not found by having better relationships or a more fulfilling career or a more perfect family or some achievement. The brokenness gets healed, the wholeness comes by coming to know the God who made you and cares for you. And it's only because Jesus died to pay the penalty for your sin that you can be restored to relationship with God. The passage goes on to say that he was buried. There's an awful lot about his death, isn't there? He was buried. It describes in the Bible how Jesus died on the cross quicker than expected and so they stabbed him in the side and blood and water came out. And then they took him down from the cross and Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus put Jesus' body in the tomb. It's interesting, they named the people who did it. They're not not just sort of, um, what am I looking for? What's the word I'm looking for? Um, They're not just faceless individuals, they're named. These two people put Jesus in the tomb. They wrapped him in strips of linen with 34 kilograms of spices and stuff like that. I don't think it means like Indian spices, you know, like a curry. It's not that sort of thing. Jesus really did die. And Jesus' enemies, the Pharisees, were so worried that Jesus' body um, might get stolen, that a large stone is rolled in front of the tomb, a seal is put upon it, guards are posted, all carefully supervised by the Roman authorities... And this happens on the Friday and then nothing until the Sunday morning, Easter Sunday morning. And the first sign that something was up was when Mary Magdalene, Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, go to the tomb early in the morning. Interesting again, three more individuals that are named. They go to the tomb. On the way to the tomb, they have a conversation. How are we going to move this whopping great stone in order that we can get to Jesus' body because they can't work out how that's going to happen. But what they find is the guards are gone, the stone is rolled away, the tomb is empty except for the folded grave clothes. So angels are saying are really tidy. Do you know what I mean? Fold them up at the end. The spices have disappeared and Jesus wasn't there. Jesus wasn't there and the reason he wasn't there wasn't because his body had been stolen it's because he once was dead but now he is alive and he has walked out of the tomb he is alive God raised Jesus from the dead three days after dying on the cross now you may be thinking that cannot be true to be quite honest that's the initial response of his closest followers as well but then we go on And we hear about gospel witnesses. And it says this And then he appeared to Peter, and then the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. That basically means they're dead, they've died. He appears to Peter, and if anyone's going to know who Jesus is, it's Peter. He appeared to Peter on a number of occasions over a 40-day period. He also appeared to various others of his followers over this 40-day period. And I don't know, but I'm thinking about this, I guess you can hallucinate a bit. Or maybe you could have some very vivid dream and you think, oh, you know... I'm so emotionally traumatised by Jesus' death, maybe, maybe in my head he has is, he is come back to life, but not physically. But then it goes on and says he appeared to 500 others, most of which were still alive when the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church at Corinth. This, was only written, this, was written, this letter was written 20 years after the death of Jesus, AD 53 to AD 55. So in reality, very few people at that time would have doubted the existence of Jesus of Nazareth. The fact that he was crucified would not have been in question and there would have been compelling witness statements that he had been raised from the dead because you could go back to Jerusalem and there were hundreds of people there you could have said, did you see Jesus after he was crucified? And they would have said, yes, we did. That's what they would have come across. Now, about 20 years ago, Sydney had an Olympic Games. If I'm honest, I can't remember much about it. But you could Google it and you can find out some stuff. But imagine we didn't have Google or videos or anything like that. Do you know what? You could go around and you could find people, even in the UK, that had been to the Sydney Olympics and they could tell you about who ran races and who won medals. And if you went to Sydney in Australia, you would find thousands of people who witnessed the Olympic Games and could tell you about it. Why? Because it happened. There were witnesses to those events. Jesus died on the cross. He was buried. Three days later, he rose again. There were well over 500 witnesses to the fact that he was raised from the dead. It was not in doubt. This is the gospel. This is the central message of the Christian faith. The reason he did it was that humanity, men and women, just like me and you, can be restored to a relationship with God. He had to die on the cross to deal with our sin. He was buried because he was absolutely dead. But three days later, he rose victorious from the dead. And because of that, we too can have a new life in him and we can be followers of Jesus Christ. We are not Christians because we attend church. We're not Christians because we're slightly nicer than people who don't go to church. We are Christians because we have put our faith, our trust and our belief in Jesus Christ, the risen son of God. That's what makes the difference. It's not about how good you are. It's not about how hard you try. It's about, do you accept that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he died for your sins? Three days later, he rose again and he is alive today. That is the heart of the Christian message. You are not designed to live independent of God. You will not find those missing jigsaw pieces on the inside. You find them at the cross. That is why Jesus Christ came. He came to reveal what God is like and create a way that we can come to know him. He does this by dealing with our sin in his death and giving us new life in his resurrection. That's what those who have been baptized have come to realize. You guys, you've realized you don't have all the answers. That you need a Saviour. You need what Jesus has done. And at some point, they've come to believe the credibility of the gospel message and they've put their trust in Jesus. As you get baptized today, you're expressing that you're all in with God and that you're followers of Jesus and that he is King of your lives. As you go down into the water, you're saying, just as Jesus died on the cross, so your old life, yet cold water. Yep, still cold. Just as Jesus died on the cross, so you too have died. With Jesus. Just as Jesus was buried, you'll be under the water very briefly. Your old life is dead and finished. And as Jesus was raised from the dead, so you will come up out of the water knowing that you are empowered to live a new life following Jesus. This is an exciting morning and we get to witness it. Now today, this may be the first time you've heard the Christian message. You may want to find out more. One of the ways you can do it is by sign up for an Alpha course. So you can do that online or if you go to the information desk, it basically explain, gives you an opportunity to, to um, understand more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to explore that. You can talk to Paul and Ross. At the end of the meeting, come up to the front and say, can you tell me more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus? I would encourage you, if you don't know who God is, finding out about him is more important than your roast dinner at the moment that he's cooking in the oven. Come find out something about what it means to follow Jesus.